So great to see each and every one of you here. My name is Matt, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Canyon Hills Friends. And it's just a thrill to be back here in person with you all this morning. And joining all of you online, welcome to our online community who has started our live stream service this morning. As you came in, if you were here in this room, you would have noticed there were two pieces of paper on your seats. One of them was a flyer for all things Easter happening here at Canyon Hills Friends Church during Easter weekend. Starting off on Friday, April 2nd with our Good Friday service at 7 o'clock. And then that next Saturday, we've got our community outreach event called The Hunt. And then following up with our two identical Easter services on Sunday at 9 o'clock and 1045. We want to make sure that you have all those marked on your calendars. So we gave you this flyer to put on your fridge or hand out to your families, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. Uh, we just want this to be a great opportunity for you to reach people and, and let them just experience Christ for themselves. So that flyer is for you to take home. The second sheet... Hang on to, we're actually going to get to that at the very end of our service today. So don't, don't play with that yet. Or look at it, no cheating, no getting ahead for all of you there. For those of you who are watching online, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But anyway, we want to start our service a little bit different this morning. And I actually want to open with a passage from Scripture. And it comes from the book of Romans, where Paul writes this. In Romans 8, verse 20, Against its will, all creation was subjected to frustration. But with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. This phrase that Paul uses right at the beginning where he says, all creation was subject to frustration, is actually a link that goes back to the very beginning of time, to the book of Genesis, to where we see the story of how sin entered into the world. Now, I know that there may be some people here in this room or even watching online who you don't believe in sin. You're like, I don't really believe it. I don't buy into that thing. It's just some story that's made up and I don't buy into it. You know what? That's okay. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to come against you because you believe that. But I think we all can agree this morning, regardless if you believe in sin or not, that bad things happen in this world. Would you agree with me? Amen, right? Bad things happen. Now, we have decided as a church, we're not going to focus on the bad things anymore this past year. We decide we've talked about it enough, so it's time for us to move on and put it in our review mirror and embrace the new things that God is bringing into our lives. And that's great, but I think that we would be remiss, and it would be our error if we didn't at least acknowledge the fact that, yeah, bad things still do happen. Just because we're not talking about them doesn't mean that they cease to exist. There's a lot of people who are really still struggling and going through hardship in life. And by acknowledging them, by recognizing that, yeah, bad things happen, it helps us in this healing process of getting through them. So regardless of where you are this morning, we all can be unified in this understanding that, yes, bad things happen. Now, if you're a Christian or a believer, you know that more often than not, these bad things that happen in life are a result of this thing called sin. And we see the Bible talking about this disease that entered into our lives, which is known as sin. And it brought a toxicity about it. It started to corrupt everything that was good in our life. Everything that was supposed to be used for good became subject to this toxicity and eventually a fatality. And what that means is that everything in this life is prone to decay and death. And I think that we all can understand that. We can agree with that because we've seen it. We've experienced it firsthand, right? There is a certain point in your life at a certain age when you get up in the morning 
and you lean out of bed and you hear this snap, crackle, pop that you've never heard come from your body before. And then you get up and you start to stumble into the bathroom, which you've done hundreds of times in your life, but it's different because your legs aren't working right. Your eyes are fuzzy. They can't see. And then you finally get into the bathroom. You turn the light on and you're startled because you think there's an intruder in your house with the reflection staring at you. Like what happened? That's not what I looked like when I went to bed last night. See, we all see this evidence in our lives that we are prone to bondage of decay, that decay and death are a part of every single one of our lives. And what fascinates me is that there are people out there who don't believe that this will ever happen to them, that they are prone to death and decay. They say, because of modern technology, I can go under the knife anytime I want, get plastic surgery and look like the best, youngest, strongest, most handsome or beautiful version of myself that there ever could possibly be. Or I can go back to school and I can keep learning and taking more classes and get educated so my mind is always sharp as a tack and I never lose my wits. Or I can take that diet or I can go to the gym and keep working out and keep my body perfect. I can keep making investments and I can be financially comfortable and set and live in luxury for all of my life. You see, these people who believe these things, they start to place their confidence in these things. Things that they think can save them or eventually somehow alter the outcome of life. But when they fail, as inevitably they always do, well, that's where Paul says all creation becomes subject to frustration. All creation becomes subject to frustration. Think about that. Think about how powerful that is. And when this happens, we move from a place of confidence to a place of hope, a fingers crossed kind of mentality. And this idea of fingers crossed represents, I hope I get picked. I hope I win the lottery. I hope I pass this test. I hope the surgery goes well. It's an expectation in life based upon a chance. Did you hear that? Hope is an expectation based upon a chance in our life. And we start to place our hope in all kinds of things. I hope I can get the vaccine. I hope once I get a vaccine that life starts to look normal. I hope this pandemic will end in my life. We all begin to hope and place our hope in these things. Sometimes we even place them in ourselves, in our own talents, in our own abilities, and in our own skills too. But the problem with this is that all of these hopes, they're just kind of fluttering around with nowhere to land. There's no concrete footing for them. There's no firm foundation because once that hope fails, you just shift it to something else and then to something else and then to something else. It's this never ending cycle. Yeah, I got my vaccine, but I'm still getting sick. So there's one of 99 problems in my life down. Let me move on to the next thing. And we keep moving and placing our hope in thing after thing after thing because they keep failing. They keep not meeting our expectations. You know, in some places, hope is actually defined like this. It says the person or thing in which your expectations are centered. Hope is the person or thing in which your expectations are centered. And we place our hope into these things, right? Into relationships, into jobs, into finance, into security, into possessions, into wealth, whatever it may be, we all at some point in our life place our hope in these things. And a lot of times it's subconscious. We actually even do it from birth. The moment we are born, we automatically place our hope in our parents. 
that they will provide for us, that they will take care of us. They will be there to comfort us, to pick us up when we fall, to help pat us on the back when we're choking, whatever it may be, we're always placing our confidence in our parents. But then at some point, something goes wrong. Either a bad family situation, a bad experience with your your parents or your family, or maybe you just get older and you mature and say, I don't need you anymore. And so you shift your hope. You shift your hope into your own talents, your own abilities, your own skills. I can get that scholarship. I can join that team. I can get that car. I can get that job. I can buy that house. I can marry this person. We place our confidence and our hope in things that we think we can control. Things that we think are part of our ability to manage in this world. The problem with this, once again, is that these hopes are just fluttering around. All of these hopes are still based on a chance. A fingers crossed kind of mentality in our life. Every single one of these hopes is based on a chance in our life. This 50-50 idea. Maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't. I don't really know when we look at this. And everything in life, when we start to realize this, is subject to this decay and this death. And when these things fail, when these hopes, they just fade away in front of us, well, that's when we begin to feel hopeless, powerless, helpless, hurting, lost, stuck in a rut, whatever it may be. Now, I'm not saying that's all of you here in this room or watching online. Some of you maybe have really placed your hope in something else and you feel confident and you're strong in it, and that's great. But there are a lot of people out there who are struggling. There are a lot of people who are dealing with these bad things that happen in life and find themselves in a place of hopelessness. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're struggling to figure this out, to understand. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got hurts. Maybe you're trying to find hope in a hopeless world. Maybe that's you. And I think this is why it's so important that we heed the words of Paul here where he says, all creation is subject to frustration. In other words, if we keep placing our hope in things of this world, you know what's going to happen? We're only going to be let down again and again and again. But we need not fear because there is a better way. There is something greater. And if we look all throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see this idea that we are called to place our hope in God. We are called to place our hope in God. And we see it all throughout scripture. Check this out. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm. To give you a future with what? With hope. Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 1 Peter 1, 3, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, over and over and over again, we see this mentality, this idea that if we choose to place our hope in God, it's not based on a chance but on a faithful promise from a living and breathing faithful God. Our hope when we choose to place it in God is not based on a chance, but a promise from a living and breathing faithful God. How cool is that to think about? 
A prom- Thank you, Kim. Super cool. It's a promise that never fades. And it's not tattered. It's not prone to decay or toxicity or any of these things. It's a promise that we see is so important that it's mentioned 130 times in Scripture. 130 times in every single time we read about hope, it's God saying, look, if you place your hope in me, I won't let you down. I will be there because I am faithful to provide. A hope that is so different than anything that this world has to offer us. So unique. And when we understand this hope, it's not prone to toxicity or to decay or to fatality or brokenness. No, when we understand it, it gives us a firm foundation It gives us boldness. It gives us courage to be able to plant our feet and move forward even when it seems like the world is just crashing down around us. It's a boldness that exists. And it's so powerful. But what does that really look like? What does scriptural, biblical, godly hope actually look like? Well, once again, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you see the hope there? We know in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And there may be some of you sitting in this room today or watching online, you're saying, all things? Really? God works in all things? I don't believe it. Doesn't he see the mess that I'm in? Doesn't he see my hurt? Doesn't he see my frustration? Doesn't he see my pain? How on earth is God working in all things? My family members are dying. My kids are sick. I'm broke. I can't put food on the table. I lost my job. Man, if God truly works for the good of those who love him in all things, he must have forgotten about me. Maybe that's what you're feeling this morning. And if that's you, I encourage you to take a different perspective real quick. Let's mirror and put together these two passages as Paul writes about them in Romans and see what he's really getting at. Look at this in Romans 8. He says, All creation was subject to frustration, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Because we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Yeah, we're going to have moments in this life when we suffer, when we go through bad things. Hard times are coming, that we have trials and tribulation and grief. It's a natural part of our life because our bodies are prone to death and decay. But what we also see promised here is this, that if we choose to place our hope and eager hope in God, it allows us to say, yeah, things are tough right now, but I'm not going to lose hope because I know that God is working his purpose. Even though I may not see it, God is working behind the scenes. You know what his purpose is? To save us from a life of bondage to death and decay. That's what he wants to give you. That's what he wants to bring to you. How does he do this? How do we really tangibly experience this and grab a hold of this for ourselves? How do we really grab onto this and make this hope part of our life? The simple answer is this, folks. When you're struggling, when you're going through a hard time, when bad things fall upon you, take a small step of faith and pray. Take a small step of faith and pray. It doesn't have to be something big. Pray for what you need in the midst of that situation. God, give me faith. 
God, give me finances. God, give me food. God, give me strength. God, give me wisdom. God, give me counseling. God, give me whatever it is that I need in this moment. Whatever you need, pray and just ask that God would meet your need in that moment. And we know that there's power in this because we've heard story after story. We read story after story of people who are in terrible, tough times of their lives. And they chose to pray to God, to take that small step of faith and really pray and just say, Father, help me. And God met them in a big way. God met their need right where they were. And not only that, but he even changed their perspective on the situation that they were in. God, I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to pay for these bills. Help me. And an envelope appears on your doorstep with the exact amount of money you need. God, praise the Lord for your faithfulness because you have never let me down. See how this works, folks? When we pray, when we surrender, when we place our hope in God and pray, he is faithful to respond again and again and again. It never stops. It never ceases. He is always there, always willing to help us out. And it starts with praying. And maybe you're sitting in this room or watching online this morning and you're thinking, man, that sounds great, but I don't even know where to begin. I don't like praying. I wouldn't even know what to pray for. You know what? That's okay. Because check this out. This is so cool. Romans 8, 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. How cool is that? This is our practical step. Father, help me in this moment. God, provide for me. Give me that wisdom. Give me that faith. That's all that's required of you to come and to surrender, to place your hope in God and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest because it knows you better than you know yourself. And maybe there's some of you in this room hearing that for the first time or watching online and you're super creeped out by it because you're thinking there is something inside of me that's moaning and groaning. I need to get that checked out by professional. Something is not right here. What is this spirit thing? Well, if you were here last week, this is exactly what Pastor Carlos talked about. And if you didn't see that message, I strongly encourage you to go online on our Facebook, our YouTube page, or our website and watch this message. It's so powerful about the Holy Spirit. But if you missed it, in a nutshell, this is simply what it is. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence. It's not just some force that exists floating around the universe. No, it's the personal presence of God. And it's been with us since before time began, from the creation of the world. We even read in Genesis, it says, before the world was even created, the Spirit was hovering above the dark and disordered waters, just waiting to bestow goodness upon God's creation. And every time we read about the Spirit, from the beginning of time all the way through now, the same Hebrew word is used every single time. And this Hebrew word is the word ruach. Sounds flimmy, right? It's ruach. But what this word actually means, one of its definitions is so cool. It's this invisible, powerful energy necessary for life. How fitting is that for the Spirit of God? This energy, this thing that fills us up, that empowers us, that's necessary for our life. And as we learned from Pastor Carlos last week, we see this Holy Spirit empowering people all throughout the Bible, all throughout history to do amazing things in the name of the Lord. Even Jesus Christ himself was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was empowered to come and fix the brokenness that mankind had left in this world. 
And not only that, but what did he do? He even went and breathed the, whole, breathed the Holy Spirit into his apostles, into his disciples, his followers, so they too could continue the work of God after he had gone. And we know this because look what it says in John 16. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, today, through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is still here. The Holy Spirit is in us, around us, above us, below us. It is everywhere surrounding us, healing this broken world, slowly restoring it to its original goodness. But what does the Holy Spirit do? Why does it do this? How does this help us? We'll look at Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit allows us to abound in hope, to be filled, to overflow with a hope that's based in the love of God. A hope that never fails, a hope that never tatters or fades. And so the question and the thought that we need to be asking ourselves and the realization is whatever it is that we have decided to place our hope in this morning, this month, this year, this lifetime, it will determine how hopeful you will remain in a hopelessly broken world. Let me say that again. Whatever it is that you have your hope placed in right now, it will determine how hopeful you can remain in a hopelessly broken world. And that's why it's so important that we place our hope in the right foundation. Not in lawyers, not in doctors, not in politicians, not in vaccines, not in stimulus checks, not in finances, no. But a hope that is abound, an eager hope based in the love of God. A love that was demonstrated to us when Jesus took our sins and went to the cross and died so we could live. A hope that never fails. A hope that never is tattered or is prone to this death and decay, this bondage that we see all creation is subjected to. A hope that's living and breathing inside of us from a faithful God. A hope that sets us free. And when we understand this, it allows us to say like Paul does in Romans 8, where he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, the present or the future, powers, the height, the depth, or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this hope, it allows us to recognize that, yeah, bad things happen in our life right now, but it's okay because I'm just passing through this life anyway. I am on my way to something greater on the other side of eternity that this world could ever possibly offer to me. Because our hope isn't based in things of this earth. And when we understand that, it allows us to realize that this hope, this love that we have from God, it allows us to live out kingdom values in a world of unhappy endings. Kingdom values in a world of unhappy endings. It may sound confusing to some of you, but let me explain what this means. It means that you can choose to love other people even though they will never love you back, but you don't lose hope. Why? Because your hope wasn't based on things of this earth. You can serve other people even though they'll never serve you back. Why? 
because your hope wasn't based in things of this world to begin with. You can forgive others, even though they will never forgive you back, but you won't lose hope because your hope wasn't based on things of this world to begin with. You can grieve, you can mourn, you can go through hardships and trial and tribulation, but you don't lose hope because you know you have a promise from a faithful God that you are just passing through this life onto something greater. That's the eager hope that we have. Now, does this mean that we just stop planning and have ambition and dreams? No. We still do these things, but we don't place that hope in human love or in culture or things of this world. No, we place it in the love of God, a love that was demonstrated at one time in history, one specific moment when Jesus took your sins and he took my sins and he went to the cross and he died for us, sealing for all of eternity our future in a relationship with God a relationship that's not prone to decay, a relationship that's not affected by pandemics or economics or disease, fatality, toxicity, not by any of these things. A love that's based in who God is and his never-ending, unfailing love for us. And we're able to grab a hold of that love and apply that love to our lives. It allows us to say, man, you know what? Yeah, things right now, they are tough. I'm going through bad times but I don't lose hope because my hope is not placed in things of this world. My hope that's rooted in God allows me to remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world. And I can have that hope freely if I just choose to believe in Jesus and to surrender my hope today over to God. As we close out our time together this morning, we're also going to do something a little bit different. For those of you who are here, I said that there was a second piece of paper on your seats. If you go ahead and pull those out, I'm going to put the image up on your screen right now for those of you watching at home as well. There's this sheet of paper. In the very big center, you'll see this where that says, my hope. And surrounding it are all these different words. These words represent things that we place our hope in. Things today that many people place their hopes in. Yeah, if you don't have one, step up. They're all over the seats and make sure you grab one. What I want you to do for just a minute or two is I want you to take a look at this sheet and I want you to identify in your life what is one thing that's represented on this sheet that maybe you've been placing your hope in. If you got a pen, circle it. If you don't have a pen, that's okay. You can just poke your finger through the paper and make a hole in it, whatever it may be. Or maybe if your hope is placed in something else that's not on this list, find a pen and write it on this piece of paper. But I want you to take just a minute. We're going to sit in silence for just a minute. And I want you to identify something on this piece of paper, if it's there, that you've been placing your hope in. It doesn't have to be one thing. It can be one thing or two things or three things, but look for something in which you've been placing your hope in. you're watching online as well, this is something for you to do too. All right, hopefully everybody in this room was able to find something. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that's a, a little bit uncomfortable, but hopefully we all are able to participate along with this. We're not going to say what we've been placing our hopes in. That's just between you and God in your life. But if you were able to identify something on this piece of paper that you've been placing your hope in, stand up.
If you're at home too, stand up. Even though I can't see you, I know you're standing. <laughs> Amen. See, God says the first step to moving forward, to grabbing a hold of the hope that we profess in Jesus Christ, is by acknowledging that we've been placing our hope in the wrong foundation. That we've been placing our hope in things of this world. And the reason why we keep going through bad times, hardships in our life, is because we keep placing our hope in things that fade, things that fail, things that are corruptible, things that are prone to decay and death. But God is calling us. He says, it's time today to make a stand, to make a willing action, to declare, I'm going to stop placing my hope in things of this world and choose to place my hope in you instead. And so we're going to dismiss our service today. We're not going to close out with a song or anything. Simply what I want you to do is to grab your piece of paper. And as you're heading on your way out, you'll notice there are two trash cans in the middle of the doorway. And I want you to take and throw your hopes away. I want you to take your earthly hopes to crumple them up and just Michael Jordan slam dunk it in the trash can. I was going to say LeBron James, but it's a little bit too soon since he's now out for the season. Um, but I want you just to, Michael Jordan, to slam it in the trash. And as you do that, I want this to be a physical, tangible, actionable step where you are saying, as you throw it away, today I choose to place my hope in you. Today I choose to place my hope in the solid foundation that never fades, that never ends, that never tatters, that's loving, that's providing, that's healing, the love of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to do that today, Throw those hopes away. Commit them to God. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.